Hello, everybody. It is Tom Chenault. It's Adrian Chenault, and it is the Legacy Leadership Radio Show. And we are super, super pumped today. I am so excited. I can't even believe it. Around today's guest, his name is Darren Prince. And you are going to love this guy. But before we go there, we're going to go to my little boy, Adrian, the baseball card collector of all time. Because I was I, after I read a, uh, the tremendous book, Aiming High, by Darren Prince and realized what an absolute unbelievable experience for our little kids baseball cards are. I took Adrian's seven-year-old son yes, uh, Saturday to all the baseball card shops in Longmont, gave him $20 at each store to manage the money. And all I wanted the kid to do was become the next Darren Prince. It was unbelievable. Adrian, you were in that world and you were mesmerized by the cards. Darren turned it into a business at age three. Unbelievable. Take it away, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, you know, my entire childhood, the only thing I wanted to do was play baseball and trade baseball cards. And I found there were not enough kids in my neighborhood who wanted to do those things. And so I just would like walk around being like, who's going to like, it was just, I was obsessed like you. And so it's so cool that you did turn that into something and uh what what a fun experience that was as a kid yeah some of the best memories of my life for sure that and is you so got cool. a partnership with your dad i mean every, everything about it it just there's a friend of mine named brian carruthers who that's his still he's rich and successful and his monomaniacal focus in life is still the baseball cards and it makes me think of you because you learn so much from it and it's a little bit like the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, where we need to teach our kids about business at a young age. You learned it from the cards, didn't you, Darren? You know, I learned it from the cards. I learned it from my dad. He, you know, he's noticed uh, he would sit me down after dinner and um, saw that I had this business savviness to me that I got from him. And I think my uncle Joe and his side of the family and. Even when I was 10, I used to buy the 10 packs of gum, the juicy fruit, Wrigley's and the Big Red. You would buy them for 99 cents back then. I would sell them for a quarter at school and make two and a half times my money um, during like lunch break. And I would go door to door and sell raffle tickets. But cards became an obsession because most of my friends, by the time they were 12, 13, you know, they wanted to start partying when parents weren't home and drink wine coolers and beers and hang out with different girls. And I could care less. I just became obsessed with statistics. And my dad would quiz me about the back of the cards and I could reel it off like I was a uh, sports, you know, writer or, or commentator. And he said to me, you know, you might not have what everybody else has in school because I was in these small classrooms. I was always teased for having a learning disability because we have something in your brain that is so different than everybody else. And we're going to tap into that. And you did it. I did it. Yeah, I did it. All my friends that were making fun of me. And back then we had answering machines delivering me messages, stop being such a loser and playing with your cards and come over and uh, party with us. And I was like, party, forget that. I'm putting them into holders. I'm going into the typewriter because we didn't have a computer and I'm inventorying what I have. And, I knew that the day before I traded somebody, some Don Mattingly and Daryl Strawberry Rookies, and he gave me these old, dirty, smelly cards with the guy named Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays on them. And I knew 
got them from his grandfather and his uncle, and they were worth hundreds of dollars. And he took my cards that were worth three bucks. So you got your dad, who was an established businessman and a Wall Street guy, to back you with a little bit of money, with my kind of roll in their eyes, and you showed them a business plan at a very young age, and then you executed that business plan at your first show, and your dad about swallowed his cigar and then came home and got his buddies on Wall Street to really give you some dough, and that's kind of what launched the machine called you, right? Yeah, so what happened was I accumulated a collection that was worth about eight or nine grand, and I had a, I, I got, had a big story done in the local newspaper, and this guy, Mike Schwartz, I'll never forget it, that was, you know, it was a good friend and he came over to me in the hallway one day because, you know, my my grandfather passed away. We have these tobacco cards. I don't know if you have any interest in them, but they're pretty old because I can come by your house with my dad. And we can show them to you. And he had 1800 of these tobacco cards from 1910, 1909, 1911 called, uh, you know, T206, T205 Gold And they were in the original tissue paper envelopes from back in the day. And this was from the iconic Honus Wagner set, the most valuable card ever. You could only get these cards in tobacco packs back then. And the grandfather just kept them meticulous. So I was short on money. I only had about three grand to my name and I cut a deal to buy everything for nine grand. It was five bucks a card. So my dad says to me, you know what? Your mother's gonna kill us if she finds out. I put some money aside from your bar mitzvah for college how quickly he paid me back the five grand because she's going to kill us both. And I said, within a couple of months, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure these, you know, these cards are worth 20, $30 a piece. I went up getting the money back the next weekend at a card show. I was banging the cards out for 20, $25 each. So I made five X on my money. And that's when he's like, you know what? I have an idea. Your uncle Joe's coming by. It seems like the more money you have access to, you have this way of buying and selling literally within the convention floor that same day. Would you be wanting to meet with them? And can you come up with what you would do with $20,000? I was up all night, you know, legal pad, writing notes. And I'd buy this, I'd buy that. This is what it would sell for. And 20 grand, I think I paid everybody back. Uh, I learned what the term usury was back then, that it's sort of illegal, but I gave the guys five grand on their money in 45 days and the rest was history. And that kind of turned, but there was some also some bad news there because you started getting a little bit into some substance abuse and kind of acting because you were making so much money as a teenager that it was inevitable that you got caught speeding with the emergency brake on. And that's yep. really been the greatest thing that ever happened to your life because it defines your life today and that's why we're here today is to show everybody that God's got this and just go along for the ride and have some fun. And, you know, it's, it's just beautiful, Darren, what you've done and the difference you've made and what you're, I'm in awe of you. I fell in love with you at first sight. All right, hold on. We got to, we got to back this train up just a little bit. So how, okay. You, the honus or the, the tobacco cards, you're how old when this happens? Um, I was 14 years old. That is serious. Like anyone who has any, who knows anything about baseball cards, like that is. I bought, I bought and sold three of them. My last one, I was 21 years old when I got out of the business and Kenny Golden, who's uh, got his big Netflix show now is a dear friend since I was a teenager. I'll send them pictures once in a while. There was no such thing as PSA grading then. And that was a quick flip that picked it up at a show in Pennsylvania for 70 grand. 
and I flipped it the next day on an airplane. I, fl- I, I took a plane to uh, Houston and I flipped it for a hundred and a quarter. And that card's probably three and a half to four, three and a half to four million today, maybe more. That you gotta be kidding. So there, I, I read a thing recently, just for those, of, if you know, you know, but for the, for anybody who doesn't know anything about baseball cards, there was this list of the, the most valuable baseball sports cards of any kind ever sold. And there's this asterisk. It's like Honus Wagner, number one, certain Mickey Mantle, number two, certain Mickey Mantle, number three, blah, 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 down from that. And there's this asterisk at the bottom that says, just kidding, really like the top 100 sales of all time are basically these three baseball cards of which Darren has bought and sold multiple times. And everything else is like 101 and beyond because these cards are so valuable. And so like no one has ever touched one of these things. And uh, we're just going to dredge up some, you know, some baggage. I had a replica of the Honus Wagner card or my dad did or gave me one. And I was like, oh my God, dad, is this real? And he didn't think I knew what it was. And so he's like, yeah, it's real. And I was like, we're rich. Like we're buying a house in the Hamptons. And I was too young to know what a replica was. Those were super popular too. I, I, I don't know where it is in my phone, but if I had some time, I would scroll through it and show, show you a picture of me holding up my last one. That oh. is so cool. Well, you got to send it to us after the show. So yeah, for that's, sure. that's amazing. And I love just your story of, you know, I, I think there is, there's this innate, so, some people just have it, that ability to recognize really early on, like, hey, I can figure out how to buy stuff at wholesale and sell it at retail. And I can find these markups and I just know how to pick up the phone and make a deal. And you figured that out from a really, really early age. Do you think that happened? Was that a natural thing that you just had in you? Did you see it from your dad? Like, where did that come from for you, Darren? Well, my dad was in direct sale coupon advertising. He kind of just saw me finally having an interest in something. Yeah. And um, as I wrote about it, Amy, hi, I just felt at home. That first baseball card show was 14. And Steve Simon is now the VP of Prince Marketing Group, my agency. We split the table. It was 20 bucks, 10 bucks each. I spent two weeks with my dad's typesetters laying out the most perfect signs, getting all the inventory together, perfect holders. Uh, Steve probably spent 20 minutes. He, he just went into it for fun and I made over $1,000 and he made 50 bucks. And, you know, again, not a knock against him. That, that wasn't his vision, but, you know, just being around me then and him and I go back. I mean, we we're talking this morning with my 15 year sober birthday coming up on Sunday and reminded me of what it was like a day or two before that. And, you know, we still laugh because he goes, I always knew. And I told even my wife, there was something different about your brain. You had this obsessive drive that just, it was different. And and I knew when it came to school and certain things, you were just over it. And, And if you look back at it now, knowing you for the 43 years I have, he goes, of course you would have gotten to this point. Um, and he goes, even the way you transitioned out of the cards into the memorabilia, into the agency, and then obviously, um, you know, recovery happened in your life and nobody thought in a million years, this was going to be something you would take on the world stage and, uh, you know, be so vulnerable and touch people and own your journey. And, and then, you know, the, the whole foundation, which, you know, you guys know I'm here to talk about as well. I mean, I didn't write aiming high to make money when it became, a juggernaut for making money. I was like, this isn't what God wanted. I'm blessed with Prince Marketing Group. You know, I, I need to, when I speak to audiences around the world, when I'm 
on talk shows pushing this message of hope and recovery. You know, as Tom knows, um, you have that small window of opportunity, you know, that small window of opportunity. I knew if I had the resources, not just for myself, but from other uh, donors, I, I, I can take people's bottoms right away and, and, and send them off to a treatment center to get this gift. Is this beautiful enough, you guys? That's why we're here today. And you're hearing about a guy that took connection to a monster level, took integrity and relationship to a monster level, realized what God's plan for his entire life was, which was to spread the word of hope and recovery. And he took that mandate and he's doing it and he's playing this game at the highest level possible in the world. And that's who we want to hang with. And that's who every one of you have the ability to become because you're nothing special on the connection front. You just love people and you always live in what's in it for them. Right, Darren? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this on Legacy Leadership. Okay, it's a hard 30-second hard break for the radio avail. So we're back on and nothing flat. Adrian, bring us back. I will. Can you see can you see the clock on your screen, Dad? No. I can see it. Okay. All right. I got clock management. We're good. All right. We're coming back in five seconds. And we're back. We are talking to Darren Prince, founder of Prince Marketing Group, agent to unbelievable stars like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and more. And there's an incredible overlap between this amazing guy and my dad, which is sobriety. And that's a big part of what we're talking about today. That's a big part of Darren's foundation. And there's a big, big thing coming up this Sunday. And so dad, I'll throw it over to you because I think this is really the heart of what this show's all about. Yeah, Darren's coming to town with Chevy Chase. And Chevy Chase is over 80 now, Darren? Uh, he's turning 80, 79. And he's always in character, right? Always. He's always Clark Griswold or Fletch. <laughs> so he'll be hysterical. And Darren's here to attend Comic Con with him. But Darren's also got 15 years of sobriety. So we're going to go to Red Rocks Amphitheater and pray it doesn't hail. And we're going to go to an AA meeting up on the hill and hand him his 15-year chip, which is going to be a highlight of my life. It is going to be beautiful. And your life literally is given to sobriety, isn't it, Darren? Well, it, it, my life is what? Given to sobriety and helping people. It, 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 it's, it's everything. You know, I, I say it all the time. I said it on Jay Shetty's podcast, Omar, like all, all my friends that have given me, you know, the biggest stages, Jordan Hartberg, are like, money doesn't really motivate me anymore. I need it because I take care of so many people, you know, that are dependent on me, that if I, um, if business went away tomorrow, uh, you know, I, I, you guys would still be sitting here with me. Yeah. Because I did the work. I don't just talk the talk. I walk the walk. And it's not a day that goes by in my life where I don't connect with somebody in recovery. There's not a day in my life I don't look at myself and say, that's screwed up. You're acting out. You're not behaving right. What's the cause of this? What do you need to do to clear it? What do you do to need to get out of your own thoughts to be a service to other people, to get out of your own head? And uh, most people in my life know that about me because I'm far from a perfect human being. 
you know, like I said on Jay, I'm not exactly who I want to be. I'm not yet where I want to be, but thank you, God, I'm not the person I used to be. There's nothing better than this, you guys. And understand, once you have, and I say this all the time, my, uh, my passion in my life is helping people off of alcohol and drugs. Everything is a distant second. And if I can live myself, my life that way, aligned with what I think God's plan for my life is, everything works out just like the same thing for you, right, Darren? It's 100%. You put nothing before it. I mean, I think I sent you when I was in Dubai. I mean, the highlight of my Dubai trip was going to an AA meeting on a Friday night, walking into a hospital for 25 people. I got tears rolling down my face. People are coming over to me. Welcome. Where are you from? Embracing, hugging each other. I'm texting people back home, spiritual brothers and sisters. Like, it's the greatest thing of my life to, because, you know, my sponsor told me early on that you're, you're going to have to take road meetings to another level because you do so much traveling. I don't want to hear that you let what AA gave you forgetting you to come to AA because that connection is everything. So that early foundation, two, three months into, into the fellowship, into the program, uh, was just instilled in me. Like, Hey, if the bar was open at one in the morning and there's a drug dealer uh, in the street corner or a pharmacy, I'm going to get out of bed and do whatever I need to do. So I got to put that same effort, you know, times more in, in, into my recovery. And um, it's the greatest gift, you know, in my life, period. My, my clients, 99% of my phone calls with them are now about life. I mean, Magic had the RiseCon convention a couple of weeks ago with David Goggins and Ric Flair showed up and Magic called me on that Saturday. I was in the hotel room and he was getting ready. We were on the phone for 30 minutes talking about coming up on my, my 15 years. And, you know, his brother's in recovery, Larry, who I'm very near and dear with. He's got 30 plus years. And um, even for him to be so open, be like, look, I had my struggles. Obviously, people saw it. he goes, it's about that accountability, Darren. And it's what you do with that gift. And he's like, you literally have become a star in the world of recovery the way we all have in the world of sports and entertainment. And I don't think that was by accident. I think God knew exactly that he needed to put you in the middle of the pack of the sports and entertainment business so you can get the recognition, not for yourself, but then use that platform to help so many. That is, yeah. that's exactly. There's no what. ego about it, man. I'm on here because I'm a degenerate drug addict, substance abuser, alcoholic, you name it. Anything that affects me from the neck up, all bets are off if I'm not spiritually on that beam. You know, forget the age of life. That's what I do. There you go. There you go. We're going to go to take a quick break here. While we're on the break, you need to go check out Darren's incredible foundation. If you go to aiminghighfoundation.org, you can learn more, and we're going to share more about his story of recovery and how he has turned that into helping other people on the other side of the break. We're talking to Darren Prince, founder of Prince Marketing Group, amazing agent, and somebody who's having a huge impact in the world. You're listening to the Legacy Leadership Show with Adrian Chenault and Tom Chenault on the Genesis Communication Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. Is All right. Now we got some time. Yeah, we just got a little break here, but God, Darren, this is so awesome. And people just see it. I just can't believe it. My hair's all messed up. It's going to be so fun. I'm sweating from this. I swear, my pa I, I can't even imagine what Sunday's going to be like. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. All right. We're coming back here in about so five seconds and we'll, uh, let, let's dig into the story a little bit. Here we go. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it. And we're back everybody. It's Tom Chenault. It's the legacy leadership radio show in one of the most important shows I've ever done. So happy to have Adrian Chenault, the little four eyed. I mean, he had Coke bottles and he was just this baseball kid and he loved those cards and just see, I mean, I got to live. Adrian's childhood through his little boy, Hugo, a couple of days ago in a baseball card store, and it just warmed my cockles. And it was all because of Darren's book, Aiming High, where he talked about his life as a little kid and becoming this maniac card collector and richer than Croesus as a teenager and turning into this crazy kid that had all this money but couldn't handle the fame and the money and the substances. But he figured it out. And now this guy is an agent and friend of the top people you've ever seen. I didn't ask you if you will tell this story, but I want you to, because the thriller in Manila was truly a war. Those guys didn't speak for many years afterward because they hated each other. And one guy put them in a hotel room to hug it out. And it was you, right? It's me. If I lean over here, you could see the photo behind me. Uh, right there is Muhammad Ali's suite up on top, and the next day sitting courtside with him at the uh, NBA All-Star Game Center Court. But, you know, it always gets me emotional when somebody in recovery asks me about this because you guys could understand the pain. So this this was probably six, seven years in the making from the time I was working with Joe and Muhammad in the mid-'90s. And Muhammad's longtime manager, Harlan Warner, brought me into their team too. And uh, Joe just... Really didn't have any interest. Ali extended an olive branch in a huge cover story in the New York Times saying that Joe Frazier was a great man. He apologized to him, and they couldn't have done what they did without one another. And if he saw Joe Frazier, he would apologize and shake his hand. And um, that's when I called Joe. And uh, it was just the stars aligned. It was the weekend of 2002. We're at a corporate event in Philadelphia, and Lonnie Ali, Muhammad's uh, wife, and uh, his photo best photographer friend, Howard Bingham, that since passed away, called me up and they said, we'd love for you and Joe and Joe's son, Marvis, to come to dinner tonight in our suite. And I I mean, I'm clammed up. I've probably snorted three oxys before that event with Joe, so I'm not even thinking straight to begin with. And I says, so I, I got to ask him. And he's like, yeah, he goes, boss man. He would call me boss man. Let's do it. So, um, you know, we got back, got back to the hotel room, freshened up, got changed. And when you look back at it, you know, here's a pinnacle of any agent's career. Greatest rivalry in the history of global sports. A rivalry that gets compared to presidencies, elections, other sports. It's the benchmark, the Ali Frazier of this, Ali Frazier of that. And the only thing I can think of an hour before I knocked on Joe's door is I can't do this sober. And um, I remember making a nice cocktail of uh, Vicodins and Percocets and Oxys. And um, you know, I snorted them right before I went to Joe's room. Um, because that little kid from New Jersey didn't deserve to be there. You know? And, and to, to be in that room and experience what I experienced to not just see this historic embrace and love and 
um, hugging and apologies and both these giants among giants crying. Um, and the way they loved and respected me more ever loved and respected myself. But it took to recovery to get there. Because the beautiful thing about the gift of sobriety was, um, you know, about six years later, I started my journey. And Joe passed in 2011, and I got to escort Muhammad Ali and his wife to his funeral. And I was sober. And then Ali passed, and uh, I believe it was 16. And uh, Lonnie texted me right back. She goes, I hope you're coming. You were very near and dear to this family. And I flew to Michigan to be there. And what a gift to be able to be present and, and to be able to reflect back that, you know, I, I don't believe if I was sober at that encounter, you'd be talking to the Darren Prince today. I don't regret any of it. I think that was my story. That was my lead to use that as the opener and, and aiming high and finally tell this historic story of being at the top of the top where kings and queens and world leaders and the biggest celebrities on earth would have loved to have been. But I couldn't be present. I couldn't be there in the moment because of all the unhealing, all the acting out, all the needing to numb, all the shame, all the embarrassment and inadequacy. Now, from the outside, the whole world thinks I have it all, but on the inside, I'm slowly dying inside. But, you know, to be able to look back and reflect on it now and know that I had moments with them both sober after the fact that there's no regrets. It, it was one of the most beautiful experiences and to sit center court courtside with them the next day at the game, you know, the biggest celebrities on earth, Alicia Keys blowing them kisses after America, the beautiful and Diddy coming over and Michael and Kobe and Iverson and magic was there as his wife. And Justin Timberlake was dating Britney Spears at the time. I mean, it just became a show within the show. And, um, I was just blessed to be there. And like I said, the fact that these two kings loved and respected me more than I ever loved and respected myself, I think, you know, it's a testament to so many people focusing on entrepreneurship and success. You got to get that money. I was there and I still hated myself. I didn't look at myself at all the way others looked at me. I do now. I do know now that I could walk into them without Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, but they both rest in peace by myself. And there's sort of respect and an order that I fought for, not from an egotistical way, from being pure, genuine, and I think being vulnerable, that there's a whole new light around me because of AMI, because of guys like Tom that instills recovery into me and so many spiritual brothers and sisters that have given me this gift because I could take over a room with the biggest CEO on planet Earth because I always find that opening to talk about recovery, which affects every single human being, especially in America right now, and I'm sure much more around the world. We've got work to do. And what I love about you is every day I, I send you a text message and you don't respond with a pithy thing. You tell me the work it took to get to the AA meeting in that town. And that just absolutely tells me that your commitment to that underdog, that brand new person is still as fresh as, a, as the day you walked in the door. And you know, I don't want to have a bad memory, ma'am. I go to meetings to find out what happens to people that stop going to meetings. Yeah. They get locked up, covered up, or cleaned up. And I'm not afraid of relapsing and dying. That'll be easy if I go bad. I'm afraid of relapsing and living. Good call. Good call. And it's bigger than ever before. We've got more people 
addicted to something than we've ever had in this country on the, in this planet. And we have to make noise. I can't give away your anonymity, but I can sure as talk about, I can sure as heck talk about my sobriety and people like me, people obviously like Darren, he's tell some people, I mean, the, the councils that you've been on where, I mean, you are at the highest level of this war against alcoholism and drugs and talk about that a little bit. Will you? I've, you know, I've been blessed to be at the White House when President Trump was there. I was there the day he signed the $8 billion bill. I was there multiple times during his presidency. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I, I think I've used my platform as an agent to some of the most iconic stars the exact way God wanted it to. Because everybody knows I'm not a guy that asks for favor. But when it came to aiming high and spreading my message and touching lives, everybody came through. You know, Chris Cuomo, um, uh, like I said, Jay Shetty, Jordan Hubbard, our extra, Dr. Oz, um, Rosanna Scotto, a good day in New York, KTLA, uh, Tucker Carlson had me on, uh, you know, Fox and Friends, because it touches everybody. I wasn't on there to talk about me, the so-called super agent. I'm not super with, with shit, I tell people. My clients are the ones that have the God-gifted ability that became, you know, award-winning actors, world champions, Hall of Famers. You know, I just found that opening and I realized my pain gave me my biggest purpose. And this one, I am going to ask for some favors. And I went to every heavyweight from Mark Cuban, Jeannie Buss, the Lakers owner, dear friend, Magic wrote the forward. They all supported my book. They promoted it. Uh, give out free copies. People can't afford it. They can DM me on Instagram at agent underscore DP. Uh, not about that. You know, I, I want to get to one person every single day, and especially on a platform like you guys have. Let's just get to one today. One that's in and out of the rooms, one that's struggling, one that doesn't think they can do it. Look, this disease of addiction, alcoholism, and substance abuse it does not discriminate. It doesn't care if you're from Park Avenue or Park Bench. You know, it's going to take you to your knees. And I think too many parents are focused on, oh, the success, the education. Well, I had the success, and look where it got me. The owner of this radio station that's got 545 AM radio stations alongside of it is a guy named Ted Anderson, who's been sober and a daily AA guy for over 40 years. Mm -hmm. So the message just can, the butterfly just continues to go out. And all we need to do is stop playing it small in every area of our life and realize that we can be cause in the solution to literally every problem. Right, Darren? hundred percent. You know, I think the biggest blessing, um, somebody told me to become a best-selling author. You, you now become a voice and a powerful voice. And, um, I never expected it to have that success, but I came out early time with my recovery. I mean, I remember a couple of years in, I did a post on Facebook and res with respect to the traditions and everyone else, I didn't mention AA. It was a 12 step fellowship. I was the same way in my book. I didn't even mention Bill or Dr. Bob outside of in the acknowledgments. Um, everybody's got their own journey. You know, I was at Dr. Bob's house in the early seventies. Uh, the guy said in the early seventies, he knew Bill W and Bill W told him that he felt the anonymity part is going to actually hurt many years down the road that people have to be a little bit more vocal because not everybody survives cancer. Not everybody survives diabetes. Well, it's also a disease. It's a disease of more and it's obsession. Yeah. Mental dysfunction where we don't get addicted to the um, alcohol 
by the drugs. People don't realize that's a big misconception. We get addicted to the escape of life and whatever yeah. that is to give us that escape. And uh, I don't care if, you know, like I said, I've got local podcast people, my girls know in the office here, like I don't look at somebody's audience, you know, whether they're big, small, just starting out to, to have a platform to get to one person every time I do this. What bigger gift? You know, when I fell on my knees on July 2nd, 2008, and I screamed and prayed to God, take these chains off me. If you could take me out of hell, I promise I will spend one day at a time taking others out with me. I think he knows I've done that. I'm holding up my end of the deal. Adrian, Adrian was four years old when I, you go, when I got sober, we actually had a homeless guy live with us for seven years. My wife's on here. She literally married him because she didn't toss the homeless guy out after we got married. Our life has been given to living in the same kind of situation that Darren's given his life to. And it's worked out for both of us. Is that 10 seconds, Adrian? All right, go ahead and take us out. We're going to take one last quick break. We'll be right after this. <laughs> I'm sending you smoke signals, carrier pigeons, the whole shot. I'm this a terrible a talk to host. And that was a, that was a beautiful... Uh, what a perfect story. So thank you so much for sharing it, Darren. Uh, we let's, talk about the aiming, let's talk about aiming high and how we give money to it and what happens to the money. Yeah, hold on. We're coming back in 10 seconds. You're coming back, Dad. <clears throat> yeah. And we're back with my little boy, Adrian. I used to call him Macker as a, I, because he was like a catcher and that looked like a macker to me when he was a little boy because he just lived baseball and baseball cards. And so getting to do this show, when I heard Darren's book, I said, Adrian, you have to listen to this book. And it is the book of the ages. It's called Aiming High. But every one of you also have to go look at this Aiming High Foundation. Uh, what's it do, Darren? How big is it? What's the purpose and what are you doing with the dough? It's a nonprofit 501c3, obviously named after my book. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't write my book to make money. It started making money, creating a lot of speaking engagement opportunities. And I felt that was the perfect platform and stage to have my own 501c3, take speaking engagements, donations, all that, all those proceeds and get people into treatment. And now more than ever, um, you know, the business has been so busy and it's hard to kind of get on the plane and, you know, uh, do keynotes, they, they come sporadically and, um, you know, something happened about three weeks ago and Tom, I messaged you when it happened. A, a gentleman messaged me on Instagram. He put a post on my page and it's a Darren, please call me. I need help. Please, please, please. Probably not expecting me to get back. And, you know, we were low on the fundraising this year. Um, for no other reason, I think sometimes tech, tough economic times also makes it a little bit harder to, to, to raise money. And I called over to Oaks Recovery. I got my boys over there. And um, they said, we can do this guy a solid. You've donated so much over the years, your time, money. You've scholarshiped so many people. Our exact cost is about $3,800. Um, Tom, I'm not sure if I sent you this screenshot. We have $3,823 left in the Amy High Foundation account. And I flew the guy out with my miles. And when he knew I was doing that, literally I got voice messages on my DMs and Instagram from his kids and his parents. Uh, the tears of joy were just unbelievable. 
unbelievable. So now I'm like, all right, we're coming into the tail end of the year. I got to speak to people that book me for speaking my office, whatever it is, because it's the greatest freaking privilege in my life, especially when I'm speaking, when somebody has never wanted to be vulnerable, but because they listen to me and I'm so transparent and I'm so open and I'm so honest that that moment of clarity, I get that little window sometimes. So to be able to say, listen, young man or young lady, if you're ready for treatment, I can send there this evening. My foundation will scholarship you. It's it's better than the biggest business deal I've ever been able to do in my life. It's not a drug on earth that gives me that type of high because I'm not just changing that person. I'm helping their family, their sisters, brothers, coworkers, significant other, children. And uh, like I said, you know, whatever anybody can do, I don't care if it's 10, 20, 50, it adds up. And um, it's 100% non-profit, non-profit. Every single dollar from the MEI Foundation gets people into treatment that need it, they can't afford it. That is so amazing. So if you're listening on the radio, go to aiminghighfoundation.org. And whether it's a dollar or $10 or $10,000, you need to support this thing. And, you know, it, it's just the, the overlap between you two is so incredible because, you know, there, there is literally, a, a, you know, there's a, a, there was a kid named Corey who was a world-class soccer prospect was at the Citadel and was, you know, in college and like liver failure level of alcohol abuse going on. And his parents went to this church, the church, you know, they, the pastor couldn't figure out what to do with this kid. And he finally said, here's the address, go dump this kid on Tom Chenault's driveway. They, they did. And, you know, the phone calls that you guys are getting are people who are literally on death's door. And this is what, this is the difference between life and death. And what can so often be on the other side of that life and death moment is the contributions that a guy like Darren has made, the contributions like Tom Chanel has made. And so you, in whatever understanding you have of the world are investing in people having that second chance and you just see it over and over again. When they get it, they pay it for it. So thank you for doing that. And you need to go to aiminghighfoundation.org right now. Thank you. And Tom, as you know, man, we can't keep this gift unless we give no. it away, which is why we're so obsessed each and every day. And um, Lois said it to Bill W., the co-founder of uh, the fellowship right before that epic June 10th, 1935 date that him and Dr. Bob started this Bridge Back to Life Fellowship. Uh, he was frustrated with the Oxford group. Nobody was staying sober after six months and he was ready to throw in the towel. And he snapped at her and said, Lois, I'm done doing it. No one's staying sober. And she said something that changed the course of history. She looked at him and said, but Bill, you have. We want everybody to win, but it's not reality. We're never going to be 100% in recovery. But if we can get a few here and there, the greatest thing in the world. 45 seconds left, Dad. Take us home. Okay, you guys. If this didn't touch your heart, nothing will. My mission, and I just sent a note out to so many influencers to get Darren on their stage. 
because I am telling you, we have a war to win and we can win it one person at a time. And I know most of you that I know, we've had an interaction where both of our lives got touched. And all I wanna do is pay it forward and keep touching lives. And finding this guy has really helped define my life. We're gonna be together on his AA birthday on the 2nd of July in Red Rocks. We can't wait, it's gonna be huge. So thank you all for listening to the show. It is our honor and joy, and we'll see you all next week. All right, don't go anywhere. We're hanging out, show after the show. So Richard Brooke, he just invited you. So he's got a giant podcast. So he's one of them, and his uh, he's got personal up-close experience with the problem and the solution, uh-huh. and his friend Brian, I mean, Stuart Putnam, Stuart, the mess, the hot mess, Stuart Putnam's <laughs> over here. We're not on the radio anymore, Gary. we're just on Facebook, so you can cuss and you can say hi to people. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. So this is Tina uh, Rose here. I mean, I love you, Tina. You are a catalyst for me being on a stage down in uh, Florida with 5,000 people that would be tremendous listening to Darren. And it just goes on and on, but we've got to spread our wings. We've got to make noise and we've got to put a light on his foundation because it's rare that you get 110% of the money going to the people that need it. There's usually GNA and all that horse shit. Not here. He is giving the dough to people that need it. Money he doesn't have, miles he doesn't have. And I've seen the guy cry for strangers and he's my kind of guy. Very cool, huh? Great, man. Unbelievable. We love you, we love love you man. And now I get to see you. That's what Chad Williams. Holy yeah. mackerel. Yeah, sober people everywhere coming on here. So, yeah, we're going to do it. Darren, thank you so much for coming on. We yeah, love you. We're going to have you back now that we got a feel for how we're going to do this. And we're going to yeah. blow this thing out next time at a level you won't believe. But you're going to like Amazing. the way we're moving today. Amazing. Deal? Love see it. See you in a few days. All right. Love you, my man. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you.